Welcome to Bad Movie Brunch. I'm Luke. I'm Katie. And even though we both live in Los Angeles now, we're we're, we're practicing social distancing. It's like one of those things. It's like an, I I swear to God, man. It's like it's like even at like like being around. It's like if somebody like I don't even want to like if I get a tickle in my throat, I don't want to cough because I just feel like I'll be outed. It feels very like zombie apocalypse. Like everybody's just like waiting, and then like if I cough, I'm like pretending I'm not infected, uh, <laughs> but I got bit. A while yeah. ago. I will say this no about the zombie ap- apocalypse, though. I don't think that there would be a shortage of toilet paper during the zombie apocalypse. Or would there? Have I just and been wrong this whole time? Because people are buying up toilet paper in droves. I know. And, and it's great that we're talking about it because I know everybody else is. But legitimately, I don't. It's it's not even that I. I what I don't understand is what's what's the connection? Because mm. the coronavirus doesn't make you shit a bunch, does it? No, or but they I think, think that, that we're it's just going to stop people, going to the store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People just want to stay inside and toilet paper is like a necessary thing and people just want to make sure they have a lot of it. But even so, I did not anticipate that that would be such a big thing. And now I want to buy a bunch of toilet paper just because I'm afraid that I won't be able to get to buy it for a I hot guess, second. I guess I'm just blessed that me and my fiance like usually buy a large amount at a time mm-hmm. and i guess we don't use very much so like a week ago before anybody cared about coronavirus um we had a fine amount of toilet paper and it's really it's really serving us well thank goodness excellent um, i also but, enjoy getting the Charmin large pack wow it's, yeah who's, who's fucking face a jeff the cloth to get that katie well no 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 not recently i haven't been able to buy oh, toilet paper advance. since corona hit because yeah, when I do to buy toilet paper, I like, <laughs> I like to roll with the bears. Oh my god, you're right. Those <laughs> bears are balling right now. Long ago, all the way back in December of 2019, mm-hmm. uh, months ago, it feels like a, a century, um, I hosted the very first Bad Movie Brunch uh, live podcast. The event was a, a screening of Jake S. Weissman's second feature film, Clean Sheets. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, in the micro space at the New 400 Theater in Rogers Park. So it's at the 6740 micro. Uh, they've been doing really amazing stuff. Jake himself has been instrumental in uh, beginning to curate great screenings for different uh, groups and societies uh, to come and watch, you know, uh, in, a, in a more intimate setting. And this happened to be uh, a screening of his flick. You've heard him on the podcast before. I've done lots. Of, uh, we've done lots of episodes. We talked. Me and him talked personally about scrapers. Katie and him have had episodes. Just them. He's mm-hmm. definitely been like our. Uh, he's kind of like the third. The third Beatle of Bad Movie Brunch. <laughs> um, that being said, it was spectacular, and we have a, an amazing Q and A to share with you, albeit short. Um, mm-hmm. But just like uh, what a great room it was, and what like how exciting it was to to watch. Just like indie cinema, real indie cinema. Nobody represents it better than than Jake and Chicago filmmaking and having a chip on your shoulder and being like, yeah, I, even if I don't have a million dollars, I can still put together a spectacular story and tell it uh, with my own flair and vigor. And it comes off differently than anything you'll see in a, in a big time cinema. Um, so I felt very... Uh, excited and lucky to have the chance to not only you know watch it in that setting but but host the q a as well but you watched clean sheets right i did i actually watched it very recently to prepare for this intro that's because it's so rewatchable it's mm-hmm. infinitely rewatchable <laughs> what uh, what are your what are your thoughts on on jake s weissman's second feature 
Uh, so I think it's a lot of fun. You can definitely tell that the man really loves Chicago. And I always love a relationship between a presumably straight guy and a queer woman. I That's always uh, something that I love to see because I, like, we have that kind of relationship, that kind of, like, uh, stick by to kind ofness. And um, so that's really nice to see. I like the weird characters. I really like Greasy Dubois. Yeah, starring Jake S. Weissman himself. Yeah, the, the fucking what kind of what kind of sleazy ass writer, director, producer has to has to put himself in a role too? It's like, <laughs> come on. But if you're gonna do it, you better steal the fucking show, and and boy does he. Mm-hmm. I um I'm not sure if you go over this in the Q and A, but like I've I've always been really interested from the opening when they talk when when it's revealed that it's like based on a book. And I've tried Googling it before, but I can't, I can't find the book anywhere. Ooh, what a mystery. That, cause that novel doesn't exist. He made that up. Oh, uh, okay. Like down, to the, down to the fucking... Um, Estate? I, I could find stuff to talk about uh, in clean sheets uh, until my dying breath. I really like that it's a, a positive flick. Like, a lot of it comes from this... Uh, Again, this very nice relationship between the two main characters, uh, BB and Buzz. And uh, pretty much the whole impetus for the movie is that uh, Buzz and the Oracle want BB just to have a good birthday. And I think that's really sweet. And she does get upset not being let in on how they kind of orchestrated her birthday surprise. But I do think that it's nice that she has these like really solid friends. And also that they're kind of con artists. So there is a bit of, like, um, fun with how they trick people to uh, complete their mission. And, um, yeah, I really like that. I don't think I've ever seen a movie before where one of the goals was to get a clutch. So that was really fun. I, um, it, it's, it's interesting the places that they go um, to pick all this stuff up. Like, they deal with some shady characters. and But I like that there's no immediate threat of danger it's just kind of like a goofy buddy movie like if you think about it in some ways this has a a lot in common with like a pixar film in terms of like this kind of almost road adventure that they go on these two uh different personalities and um yeah it it just i just like the feel of it the the personality Something that BB and Buzz remind me of, uh, the once you mentioned like how they're kind of like con artists and what they totally are. Um, they kind of remind me of the Wet Bandits in Home Alone. Oh yeah. Uh, not amazing at what they're doing, but they're like really like humorously decent at what they're mm-hmm. doing. I don't know. It's great, and also just like finding yourself, being able to see yourself in a movie and putting yourself on the map. Like, how many Rogers Park fucking movies are there? How many movies where we like go through the neighborhoods of Chicago like that? And if you know, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. How many times? I mean, shit. They end the movie like the end of the movie and the credits go over uh, Saint Ignatius, where me and you went to church. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of times where I'm getting married in August. Mm-hmm. So like, even to like, there is a film that exists where I can point to that one day and be like, look, that's where me and Taylor got married. Look, that's where I used to live. I used to walk down these streets. It's my favorite thing in the world uh, about like, sometimes about like comics or cinema or anything like that, where I can like point at a, a panel or look at a scene and be like, holy shit, this is, this feels a million times realer to me because I've like been there. It's not outer space. Absolutely, it's, it's my own. Very it's my tangible. Own streets. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Well, cool, dude. I mean, with I mean, with all that said, I think there's nothing else to do but uh, pass the mic off to past Luke and past <laughs> Jake back at the uh, 6740 micro. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, take it away past Luke. Cool. So we'll just... Thank you guys for watching the film, some of you, more than once. Yeah. It's very nice of you to show up. We're still on the Zoom, so uh, it's kind of an impromptu Q&A. So if anybody has questions, if you project loud enough, it'll be, um, we'll be able to hear it. And also, you can hear yourself on a podcast. That'll be on Apple and fucking SoundCloud and everywhere fine podcasts are sold for free. <laughs> so clean sheets. We've just watched. We've all just experienced it together. Um, I, I, I would like to start with some questions before I open it up to, to, to the... The pleasant audience, if you don't mind. Yeah, hopefully. First I can of all, them. Jake, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, thanks for having Jake me. Jake S. Weissman, filmmaker. It's your second feature film. Uh huh. You know, uh, my first question is: as a veteran filmmaker, what is the biggest difference going into a production compared to your f- first film, Scrapers? Also covered on Bad Movie Brunch, so you can watch that. <laughs> um, to that. The biggest difference was that we stuck to the script more on this one. So everything went a hundred times faster because in Scrapers we were improvising everything. There was so much improv, uh, improv that it would just go take after take after take and this one was surprisingly easier to cut and to put together because everyone just kind of stuck to the script more. There is improv in the, in the movie. but Yeah, but it's not... So in Scrapers, the basis of the film is improv comedians. Yeah, and every scene kind of ended up trailing off by the end into whatever they wanted to kind of talk about. So I had to choose which takes were better than the other ones you know because they couldn't cut together necessarily and it's almost like twice as long as clean sheets too yeah so clean sheets is leaner yeah meaner that was the cleaner i was trying to do everything quicker and everything shorter well you accomplished it because yeah the first cut of scrapers was like two hours and 20 minutes and that's just too long and it's not fun it's not a fun cut so i think the the biggest thing this movie does to um stand out in your quote-unquote filmography compared to other stuff you've worked on with me, with the shorts, uh, stuff with scrapers. Um, I think this one is uh, has so much more of a distinct flavor. Not that the other ones don't, and I see what you're doing. Like, scrapers we talked about is, you know, like, you know, Hal Ashby homage and, like, kind of your, like, romantic comedy with, like, uh, potheads and stuff. But this one is absolutely, like, it's stylized. It's, uh, it's like, set in this pseudo-period uh, the, the wardrobe is very uh, distinct and like stands out. Uh, you've kind of pulled out all the tricks in your editing and like shooting style. Um, is that something that is on the page or is that something where you're like, we have no money to shoot because we're indie filmmakers, so I'm going to try and use every interesting aspect I can switch around in my repertoire in order to keep the film, uh, have people guessing? It's definitely a combination of, of those two things. For, for sure, uh, I needed to make sure that uh, I was busting out different things because a 70 minute long movie can be like the longest movie of all time uh, if it's not cut, If it's right? boring. Yeah, a boring 70 minute long movie is so much worse than, a, than like a good three and a half hour. How many times have you seen The Irishman this week? Three times. Three times? So, so seven, ten, ten 11 hours, hours like that. ten and a half. I'm doing research. All right. So. Scorsese and influence <laughs> on clean sheets? Yeah, yeah. Who would we, you say? Uh, the the three main influences were um, like early Scorsese, like Main Streets, and um, it rhymes. It rhymes. Uh, uh, On purpose. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, what's the other ones? Um, 
Mikey and Nikki by Elaine May. Starring um, John Cassavetes. Yeah, and Peter Falk. <laughs> uh, and then we, I watched that and was like, I want to remake this, but with uh, the guys from Scrapers. And so that ended up becoming Clean Sheets. And then um, a shitload of Ralph Bakshi, who did movies like Fritz the Cat, um, uh, Wizards, Cool World, a bunch of adult animation. And so the way they walk, like when they're walking around in front of the murals, I told them to walk like a Bakshi character, and they did. So. Well, my question also uh, following that is like, the, you know, the very experimental art style, I would call it. This movie is, I think, uh, it's a comedy, it's a mob movie, it's a, it's a, it's a heist movie, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, it's, it's crime, but it's also like, uh, there's animation that I never would have called, and who did the animation? I did the animation. So you, so you wrote and produced and directed and were featured in the cast and then also animated the thing. So is that is that a decision again like on the page or did you write in like uh, does your screenplay say here's animations of Buzz and BB talking or you just didn't get the footage you wanted or how does no, it work? No, yeah, I didn't get the footage. There was a a couple more scenes that I needed to shoot and me and my producing partner kind of had a falling out as like we had 95% of the movie shot and needed 5% done, and I just, we couldn't get it together. And so it took a while, and then eventually that's why all the B-roll looks totally different from the first film, because I used a completely different camera. And uh, that, all that B-roll was done at the beginning of 2019, where most everything was shot at the end of 2017, I want to say. And so um, it turned out to be where like, I kept thinking I could shoot more, and then I couldn't. And so I was like, you know what I can do, though? I can use cartoons. Yeah. And um, Dakota had been asking me to do some sort of cartoon thing. The guy who played Buzz. Yeah. Uh, really, because we had been talking a lot about back, she's like, you going to do animation? I'm like, I can't do that. And so this is kind of the closest thing I could do. When it comes to casting, uh, was it always going to be uh, Sally and Dakota returning yeah. in the titular, or in the titular, Absolutely. In the title roles? Yeah, 100%. Main? Like I said, we watched... Mikey and Nikki. Me and Sally watched Mikey and Nikki right as we were f finishing shooting Scrapers, I think. And um, it was... Because all the Criterion movies used to be on Hulu. So they used to have like really... Is that true? Yeah, it was awesome. Now they have it on streaming. And it's like... Sorry to cut away, but having a Criterion <laughs> channel on streaming, in my opinion, is sort of like the most like... It should just fucking be fucking oxymoron. I don't ass, know why it's like, not like a. Why would I do? I'm, a I just paid. I just paid you forty five dollars for one Blu Ray. Like, <laughs> like you th I, I want it physically. Right. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. So uh, we. Uh, that was always the intention was to watch. Uh, I was like, I want to straight up do a remake. The first cut or the first draft of the script was a straight up remake of Mikey and Nikki, but Nikki was spelled N I K K I. And so I, and I turned Peter Falk into a female and it was going to be like this whole crazy because I just wanted to see Dakota do Cassavetes and sure. vice versa. And I've always had a thing about having Sally play Peter Falk. I wrote a Columbo episode where she plays Columbo. <laughs> it's so. Columbo. He pretends to be stupid. Feature but he's actually smart as tack. Very smart as tack. Yeah. It's true. So, yeah. Other returning people, we have Kalu Kalei. That's Miles. He Ma was always going to be... He Mars like, Timms. Mars Timms. Thank you. Yeah. I almost said Miles. <laughs> Who played uh, Creighton in Scrapers. Stand out in both films. Yeah. Uh, Kalu Kalei in this one is an absolute joy. It's a, we're, we're recording from the 6740 micro that is featured in the film. Right. How often do you get to see yourself in film? And that's something I've raved about. I remember I was reading X-Men Dark Phoenix and they go to like the Chicago suburbs to pick up Kitty Pride. I'm like, I fucking live here. And when I was watching <laughs> Scrapers and you're walking through Rogers Park and through Andersonville, I'm like, I fucking live here. 
And now, when I'm seeing, like, the new 400, I'm like, I used to fucking work there. That's right. And stuff. So it's just, like, there's something so, like, I don't know, possessive about a Chicagoan, like, uh, especially when, like, the brawn of, like, films romanticizes, like, New York and Hollywood, and we're sort of, like, this ugly little middle child that, well, like... <laughs> and, yeah, when, they, when people do romanticize Chicago, it's usually other parts of the city. That's my favorite part about watching Rogers Park filmmakers, that every single one of us does the mural shot. Oh, yeah. You like, can... you know if you're from here, if there's a mural shot somewhere, someone just walking. There's an unwritten mural. rule as a Rogers Park filmmaker that you have to walk slowly under underpasses, <laughs> and you have to shoot the train, and you have to shoot the murals because it's Put free shit production. on sticks, Put it on and sticks. let someone walk from one side of the frame to the yeah, other. Yeah, just, can you just walk slowly, and we'll take <laughs> credit for the art that somebody put on a mural yeah. it's not in my credit there like there was not enough murals and scrapers so i put three times as many yes yes so i saw <laughs> uh, uh, other so I, I obviously you cast uh you cast jeremiah in the role of jeremiah yes. correct yes uh and had, had he acted at all before no he... jeremiah is an old co-worker of mine and he told me that joke on shift and it, and that was, that was that's what he does and i knew that if i got him a little drunk it would take him even longer and, <laughs> and I, I cut it so that it was like ultra long too. He told the joke like three or four different times. So I cut it so that it was like as kind of brutal as possible. Clowniachi. Tell me about, ask me about Clowniachi. Tell me about Clowniachi. Now, now when you write, when you write a burlesque scene into a movie, is it, is it from your brain to like, I want a clown to strip for me and then I'm going to put it in the classifieds and see what happens? Or did you write a stripper scene for your, for your like two-bit heisters to, to hide out and then you found a clown stripper and you're like, that's better? Combination. Cool. I wrote a burlesque scene. We were looking for burlesque dancers and I wanted to do the clown, like a, like a Pagliacci clown. And I had been following Shirley. I had been looking for different um, performers in Shirley. Her name's Shirley Blazon. And, and all of her stuff is either about, she dresses as like Taco Bell packets. Uh, she dresses like Krusty the Clown. Like she makes herself look really disgusting sometimes. And sometimes she's right now, she's in the butt cracker. Uh, and she looks wonderful. So I highly suggest everybody follow Shirley Blaze in the Oh So Amazing. Well, she's magnificent. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, she's just kind of, Sally ended up saying that that was, she was who we wanted. And then Sally came up with the costume to like, do the tutu around the neck and then move it down around the waist, which was pretty cool. And then that's another one where the, we shot that right in front of this yeah, wall again. and show it in this wall. And like Grant just I'm fucking it's sitting very, here. It's very purple Rosa Cairo. It's it's unbelievable how jump. how meta these these Rogers Park films are, especially the the one from your the ones from your catalog. My favorite thing about the Claniachi scene was I was cutting it and my roommate Hillary was watching it and the earlier cut. I had the voiceover and then I recut it and it didn't have any voiceover. And she's like, so you have a clown stripping in your movie? And I went, yeah. She's like, so it just looks like you kind of want to have a clown stripping in your movie. <laughs> I was like, well, no, I mean, I, you do I, have, a, yes. I have a cut where, people, where they're like talking. She's like, well, you got to fucking, we'll show that to me. Yeah. And then she watched, she's like, why didn't you put that shit in? It's, so that's it, why I have the... Because otherwise it would just be like this random silent scene, four minute scene. Where it makes it stripping in the middle of the movie. <laughs> it makes it to where I'd feel okay to watch it with my parents. Right. Like, because I can I cannot pay attention to like a naked clown if like I'm listening to funny funny dialogue. Well, that's what Hillary said. This she said the fact that they're not talking about clowniachi whatsoever kind of helps with the flow of the yeah, scene. it's good stuff. They're kind. I like the idea. I asked Dakota to say um, I like her and all, but kind of want to see a movie. <laughs> I don't know. 
Boo, it's me again. <laughs> that was all improvised. All the stuff where they're talking over scenes is just like them kind of rambling on. I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, also uh, mention, if we're going to talk about new members of your cast, uh, Miss Veronica St. Clair. Yeah. Uh, how, how does that come in the script? Is that, is that a friend? Is that a person? Is that a character you invented? No, no, not at all, actually. Um, thanks for bringing her up. Uh, Ms. Veronica Sinclair Professional is, podcaster. <laughs> is my oldest friend in Chicago, Zach. And he's my, I met him freshman year of college, and we were in a lot of classes together. And um, like the shots of him putting the makeup on are directly lifted from shots of the college movie that we made together of someone putting makeup on the exact same way, like the same exact shot. So that was all kind of homaging myself for nice. him, uh, <laughs> for his sake. But, uh, I'm a real Weissman head myself. It's <laughs> really rough. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I he started doing this character a couple of years ago just as like a thing. He didn't do it publicly, but he has a Instagram page, and then the Instagram page just got better and better, and he got more and more into it. And she's fabulous, and so I was like, that's I. Part of doing this movie too was like my cast is going to be smaller, and they're going to be a bunch of my friends if I'm gonna be hanging out with people. And so I wrote Veronica Sinclair into the role. Because I also like, it's not Divine-esque, but I like the idea of crediting Miss Veronica as herself, like she's her own kind of thing. So it's her as the Oracle, and I've written her as different kinds of characters and different scripts that I've written. And I've read scripts with that same character Yeah, that's true. I definitely Uh, have written her into more than one story. Make a connected universe. I, most of my stuff is a connected universe. Is Scrapers and not. Clean Sheets in the same universe? No. Because here's my question. What's the, what's the time period, or is it purposefully not one? Purposefully not one. Because the wardrobe and the, uh, the dialogue and, the, and the, the kind of like feel and the music and stuff puts me uh, pre-70s. Yeah. But then, you know, I see contemporary footage of like the loop and stuff like that. But then at the very end, you chose to use like stills and like... It looks like the skyline from like the 40s, 50s, yeah, it's all over the place, and stuff so. like that. So was that like always gonna be your thing? Like you you wanted this to look old, but like modern day, yeah. or you didn't care and you were just okay with blurring the lines? No, I, I mean it's definitely blurring the lines. If you don't dictate what time period it is, you get to actually do whatever you want. Sure. So as long as I don't come out and say this movie's set in the 50s, so people can be like, well, he's holding car. a phone or whatever. Yeah then I can be like, well, no, it's just supposed to look like that. And so since all of the movies are kind of based on this um, late 60s, early 70s, but those those movies were influenced by kind of like 40s and 50s black and whiteies and stuff like that. Absolutely. So it's... Uh, I just said black and whiteies. Black and whiteies. It's from home movies. It's from a. It's from a cartoon. It's, is that, I didn't, is I didn't that a slur? Huh? No, it just makes me sound like a dope. Okay. I was like, oh. <laughs> okay. No one says black and whiteies. Black and whiteies. The old black and whiteies. Yeah, is what my, they clerk, used to call clerks them. is my favorite black and whiteies. <laughs> it's true. Um, so yeah, that was that's the goal. We did the same thing with scrapers, where it was like, um, there's cell phones and shit, but we did our best to have it be kind of seventies esque and have bright colors. And I like having costumes that are nondescript. Sure. Um, it just opens things up. And Sally's like a crazy wardrobe person, so she found all that stuff. And she found BB's outfit, like BB and Buzz's outfit, real quick. So, Of the people that have seen it, I assume it's largely Chicagoans, uh, does anybody ever get on your ass about the travel logistics within the, within the timeline? Because if we're going loop to Rogers Park to loop to, you know what I mean? You know only Hillary Strohschein has given me shit for this. Because it's something that I'm like, 
No, we can get she, over it. I, I know how long it takes to drive to the loop. I made the mistake of putting that shot of the clock, and there's a clock tower shot. As you toll midnight, on. but it's not at midnight. It, it tolls three. Yeah. And it's like at three. I don't know why I thought midnight. I don't yeah, know I don't what know. time is it. But it's also like, yeah, by the time it goes back it and makes forth, sense. the movie. It's I like the idea of a never-ending night. Yes. So that I was, was baiting you idea. into saying that phrase. Yeah. You've said it before. Yeah, it's, that's my An move. endless night. The endless night. An endless stops. night with Jake S. Weissman. That's fun. That's the fun of doing a of a one night movie too. Is that everybody has one costume, so you get to like really pick what everyone is, and you get to. It's a lot of thinking. So here, it's fun at the Clean Sheets <laughs> Flower Hour on December eighteenth, BB's fucking birthday, in the micro. I want to open it up to the humble audience to any questions or comments they may have to have the filmmaker. If you have any, if not, that's all right too. Um, but it's on a podcast, so you can hear your own voice. Yeah. Questions about Break? Yeah, about my movie Break? About the trailer that we showed at the beginning? I have a question. Hit me. Um, Project. So, when you were first thinking about creating this movie, what was, how much mix between multimedia versus, like, if you were going to have them travel, would you have had, if you could take the time, would you have used them? Yeah, I was trying to get, like, shots uh, on LSD. Okay. On Lakeshore Drive. Yeah, we know. It's Chicago. I know you know. No, no, I know I, you know. So. I'm actually more curious, like, in your world, where it's, where did it start versus then when your finished product, like... You know what it was, was um, Scrapers, there's a couple of scenes where they're walking and talking, and it's surprisingly the hardest fucking thing to shoot. Uh, it's just can't keep the speed. Um, actors will always walk a little too fast, and I will always walk a little too slow, <laughs> and um, I'm walking backwards. And so it's just, that's how that started. So when we were doing clean sheets and coming up, like we knew it was gonna be black and white, <clears throat> and we knew it was gonna have this kind of Bakshi feel. Um, but the, I knew shooting it after the script was written, but before we were shooting it, I was like, these scenes we're doing in front of, a, in front of black felt. Mm -hmm. And basically, like the headshots where it's just their heads, it was in front of my back door with um, black felt. And so I was, we were considering doing green, so I could just straight green screen it, but I, I, I went the black, with the black. I like the black. I think the black and white, in my opinion, actually really worked. Thanks. And I like, enjoyed it. And then with the mix of each multimedia, it made it more like, oh, okay, now I understand why. Versus, I was like, uh, you can just throw it in for fun versus like actually using it for your advantage. And I thought that that actually worked. Thank so. you. Yeah, I was definitely... I didn't want to use the same tricks more than once. I definitely wanted to, I thought it, this shit would get real old real fast if, uh, if I didn't do something. Absolutely. So, and yeah, and then by the end, like the end, the pictures and stuff like that with the little moving cartoon, that was straight up because I had nothing. Like I had nothing to end the movie sure. with. It was going to go straight from uh, Sally walking down the hall to them going to the, and there was a whole like morning sequence that I needed to do. So I, I took my ass out of the golden apple and bought myself pancakes. I wondered, so. I wondered, there's a lot of good looking like food and restaurants in this. Yeah. A lot of like, so, so you shot this as well. Yeah, I shot Cinematographer. It. Yeah. Director of photography. Yeah. So it's added to the list. Feather in the cap. Fucking renaissance man. Uh, yeah. Doesn't that suck? Do you hate that I'm just telling you how good you no, are? No, I just, well, that's You're sweet so of you. Good. No, but the reason why like someone else is credited for uh, photography and editing is because I didn't want my name all over. Oh, see, I'm the exact opposite. I think a lot of people are not. Oh, don't feel the same Lucas way. Guy Taylor. That's also why Greasy is Credited as himself. Okay. 
and not like me. It opens Greasy up to be able to appear in other people's work too. Maybe I could borrow that character. Definitely. Okay. Um, you can will and black it. He can look completely different. Sure. I do have a idea. We can go that to Scott Greasy Mojo, is though. now homeless, living on the street, asking people for food. Excuse me, sir. Could you at least wish me a good day? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Okay. You could at least wish me a good day. Any other questions on this chilly, chilly night? Uh, yeah, I've got one. Oh, speak uh, up, sir. What's your name, camper? Uh, my name is Grant Whitaker, sir, and right. I'm 13 years old. And well, Mr. Wiseman, I, I've had the That's good fortune. That's a fine beard for a 13-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've been able to read a couple of your scripts uh, that have not yet been adapted to film. And you have this through line through a lot of them that I really love, which is the, the fictional book series... Uh, the Azure Realm. Um, <laughs> to my knowledge, uh, th this concept hasn't made it into anything that's been on. No, film. you're you're busting you're busting this wide open. Yeah, yeah. This Crack is, it. This is my year long undercover expose. Um, <laughs> was there ever a version of either of your two features, a, a version of the script where the Azure Realm was referenced? What is it, and where can I get it? Get into the Azure Realm, Jake. The Azure Realm. Bust it wide open. Oh my god. Um, I don't know. Okay. So, it's a thing that I came up with when I'm writing fictional movies. Usually, you know, I'm, I'm a thematic writer, so there's whatever the movie's about, whatever the characters are going through. And then I usually, like any other writer, would like try and find a story or like a myth or like something for someone to tell a story that relates to the theme. And then I realized that I could just write my own. And so I have several scripts that have this book series called The Azure Realm, which is like a seven book series that the characters in all of these scripts kind of reference stories because I can create my own themes and my own morals and things that reflect what's going on in the script. And unfortunately, there's more unwritten Azure Realm shit like in scripts that I won't, like that haven't made it. I have just because I find myself writing scripts wanting to do that. But then it's like, then it ends up being a movie about people walking around in a voiceover of a sci-fi book that I'm gonna write someday. Sure. So I think someday I'm gonna actually have to write the novel. But also, ain't nobody paying me to write a novel right now. So novel, it's a dense, that's a dense, yeah. uh, dense. It's the only there. thing I would wanna. Yeah. So that's what that is. But I, I, I think of you when I when I write it now because it's it's always growing and I never stop it. It's like that's, yeah. That's what I'm going for. That's actually my, my Facebook status yesterday. The High Fidelity meets uh, Deep Space Nine. That's my Azure Realm. It's the Azure Realm? Thing, so. Elevator pitch if ever I've heard one. I mean, it's a thing. Fuck. God, you are impressive. Oh, oh boy. Oh, God, you're impressive. Go back. Oh, man. Any other questions from the crowd? Is that all? You guys are very, very sweet. One more from Taylor Shepard in the mustard-colored sweater. Um, uh, you say you start, like, started writing like based on themes and morals. Uh -huh. um, I got curious, also with the multimedia, with the writing, with everything, how do you decide, um, and do you think consciously about what you're going to tell, how you're going to tell the story with words, with visuals, with, like, how, how much time do you spend on that? It's hard to answer that because I feel I think because well, at least in this one well it's this one was like uh, all of post-production was me okay 
You know what I mean? Like, so it was one of those things where I had to get, I got all the footage and was like, I have to figure out how, if I'm not going to shoot anything else, just kind of like how to finish this movie. Um, I think the themes of, like Mikey and Nikki is about best friends and about like what happens when you, you like the, your best friend in the world, but also is kind of like the biggest pain in your ass and how, you know, he's an asshole, but he's my asshole kind of a thing to quote. Beer Fest. Beer Fest, or uh, yeah. No, wait, no, it's Hot Tub Time Machine. Beer Fest did it first. Really? Yeah. Who is it? It's during the... Is it landfill? No, it's during the, the eulogy. One time he farted a whole plum. Like yes. that one? <laughs> yeah. All right, gotcha. <laughs> um, I was yeah, plum surprised. It's exactly that one. All right, good. Uh, but yeah, so it's hard to see uh, <laughs> kind of where it all blends. So that's what it was about was like, that kind of a friendship. And so everything else just kind of grew from there. It was, it was a lot of thinking about editing and just kind of how, what's the way to portray this so that it's halfway interesting while, like, I don't know. I spent hundreds of dollars on this movie, not even a Not, thousand, not even four, four digits, only three? I, don't, I think it was only three digits. Well, I, I wrote down that it cost 3000 for the festival run so they wouldn't sure. laugh me out. Sure. I don't, I don't even know if they we had, Yeah. They're like, fuck no, you. I don't know. But like, we had all the gear and stuff like that, so the kind of the goal was to see how fast. That's the irony of it all, is that it was, we were trying to do this as fast as we could and it took two and a half years. But, uh, the cast of Eddie's way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? So, I think I got it now, though. Next one will be real quick. Maybe fast. <laughs> Well, it looks like there's tons of heavy lifting done in the post-production process in this movie. It really shows. Um, I can't imagine. For me personally, I think it'd be overwhelming, especially in a movie where you said you like were missing footage. It seems like you have a surplus. Like you're putting, you've got you've got transitions where you're putting foot like shots on top of shots, and you're like, do you know how Chicago this is? Do you know how Chicago we are? And it and it and it, and it really rings. You know, it rings Thanks. through. It shines throughout the entire narrative. And I really, 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 really dislike when a filmmaker or a feature uh, is either all style and no substance. Or they lean really hard in like a pretty screenplay, but they have nothing interesting to look at or yeah. whatever. You have this rare bird in clean sheets that somehow does it all. It's brilliant to look at. The screenplay is absolutely poetic in my opinion, as somebody who's a fan of wordy dialogue. The performances are up the chart, your direction's next level, and thank you so much for sharing this feature with all of us here at the Micro. Thank you, Luke, I appreciate you. Thanks everyone for coming, you guys are very sweet. That was Bad Movie Brunch. Have a good one, folks. Oh, my God. How fun was that? Kate, Very fun. I know you weren't there, but didn't it seem fun? <laughs> it did. It really did. It felt like you were there. <laughs> In spirit. And all the, and all the, all the questions were good. Mm-hmm. I think I heard Grant Whitaker on there. Maybe Taylor Shepard. I'm not sure. Um, but thanks for listening. Uh, we promise that once we're uh, done social distancing, we'll get back together and uh, keep posting episodes. Um, we're back with a vengeance. Please enjoy the new theme song you'll hear at the beginning. That's done by my good friend, Anthony Eberly. It's at Mark Twan on Instagram. Follow him. Tell him how great he did. Tell him how like sexy he is. Uh, <laughs> tell him how stylish he is. He's really just like a real fashionista. So, um, with all that being said, I've been Luke Taylor. I've been Katie Grotzinger. Have a good one, folks. Bye.